Well, very few things scare me, as you would know. Like, uh, attack a spider, I'm, I'm happy to grab anything. Pat, stop laughing. <coughs> but one thing that can scare me is an upset mother-in-law. <coughs> and it's her birthday on Thursday. Happy birthday, Carolyn, uh, watching at home. <coughs> I nearly forgot. I did forget. Emmanuel, God with us. The, the word Emmanuel is found four times in Scripture, three times in Isaiah as prophecy in Isaiah 7 and 8. And from the Hebrew, we, we, we translate it and it will come with a capital I. As we translate from the Greek, we, we, from Matthew 1, we, we have the capital E. How was God with his people before Jesus? How was God with his people before Jesus? Um, you'll have to excuse my uh, Bible reference. That it, that's a mistake. I, I think I meant to go... No, no, my mistake. I went with uh, Luke 2... I think that might be a passage I'm using tomorrow. For the, I, was, I was getting my sermons mixed up, but you got the reading right. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> How was God with His people before Jesus? I, I would suggest in a number of ways, and I won't cover them all right now. But the Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, the revelation of God's character, revealing of His nature to His people. Not that it was a life that they could live up to or a standard that they could obtain, but it revealed then to them their sinful nature, that they fell short of this perfection, the standard that God set. As a whisper, as a cloud, a pillar of fire, a burning bush, God was with his people at the Red Sea in a big fish, in a lion's den, in a fiery furnace. God's presence was recognised in the Ark of the Covenant. It had strict conditions. They had to put the poles through the, the hoops to carry it. Only the Levites could carry it. And if you touched it, you would die. There was the Holy of Holies, another place in the temple that had strict conditions. Once a year by the high priest to offer blood from the sacrificed goats and bulls for the sins of the nation. God is a a faithful, uh, he's a God of justice. He is loving and gracious and merciful and that will never change. But how he reveals himself to his people has changed. How we know who God is and our experience of who God is has changed. When after 400 years of silence, 2,000 years ago, the most amazing 
thing to ever happen in the history of the world took place. Emmanuel. God with us. God in flesh. We've sung it this morning. We recognise God as in three persons, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit and we, we, we recognise one in nature, that they are one in perfect character but with different roles. And as John 1 puts it, the Word became flesh. Philippians 2, Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped and to hold on to, but in humility he came to earth and died for the sins of humanity. And for 33 years, people experienced something that was this incredible miracle of God walking amongst his creation. The, the healing and raising of the dead and the casting out demons, the miracles, the teaching, the relationships. God with us. And so since Jesus left and went to the right hand of the Father, what has been and what is our experience today of Emmanuel? What is your experience of God with with us, with me? When Jesus cried his last, it says that the veil in the temple separating the Holy of Holies 60 feet wide, 30 feet high and 4 inches thick was torn from top to bottom. And it was torn from the top to signify this is something God is doing. Not possible for mankind. And the separation of God's presence with his people was taken away as the veil was torn in two because of the shed blood of Jesus, the price for sins of humanity has been paid for. And no longer are we reliant just on the high priest once a year to enter into the presence of God for the shed blood, for the forgiveness of sins for the nation. But whosoever will believe may come. Whosoever will believe may come and experience God living in us. Not the separation, not the separated place in the temple, but as we read in 1 Corinthians 6, our bodies now are the temple. God doesn't reside in that holy of holies anymore with strict conditions. He's changed the experience. Same God, oh, but he's changed the experience. Emmanuel, God with us. Your bodies now are the temple. This is the place now where God resides because Jesus has paid the price for our sin. I want to touch on four ways this morning we, can, we experience 
Emmanuel, God with us, through the Holy Spirit. Can you flick to the next one, mate? I can't quite get that to, to go. These, these four ways to experience united, transformed, enlightened and empowered. Ephesians 4.3 speaks to making every effort or, or, or it might say eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. As most of you know, I, I, I went back into it after many years not playing cricket. I went back to a cricket club just locally here at Monty. Uh, we, we well, I love cricket, so I sort of, you know, was able to fit in pretty well. Um, being able to cook food for the club at times and captain one of the teams in the very, very, very lower grades <coughs> and uh, and enjoy building some relationships. Uh, we we dress the same, we put on our club gear, so we all look the same, we're in uniform for our practice, we're in uniform for our games. If you came down on a Thursday and you don't like cricket and you have no interest in being part of a cricket club and you came on the oval down here about 500 metres down the hill and you sat on the oval and you stood on the oval, you, you would not fit in, I can tell you. People would be looking at you saying, well, if you've got no interest in cricket, why are you here? <laughs> in 2011, one of the most amazing things happened. Oh, yeah, Abel was born. That was amazing. This other amazing thing happened. I went to the football. It was a preliminary final, Collingwood Hawthorne. I got a ticket. It was 100,000 people there, sold out. And, uh, and, and a mate of mine who was a Hawthorne supporter got me a ticket. We couldn't even sit together. We had to sit in separate seats. So I'm sitting by myself, got my radio in. I'm watching the game. It was an amazing game. Collingwood would come back and win at the end. Going into the grand final. I couldn't even hear the radio in my ear as the siren went. It was so loud. People were ecstatic. There was joy and happiness. People that I did not know, but because we had Collingwood stuff on, we put our arms around each other and we were high five. I didn't even know these people. We're high-fiving like we're best mates. And we were celebrating. We were singing the song. We were shouting out, we're in the grand final, we're in the grand final. And we lost the next week. But <laughs> at that time, it was people I'd never seen again in my life. You would have thought we were friends or family. We come here, we come here to this church not because we all support the same team. We even have Essendon supporters here. We, not because we're all living in the same area even, not even because we're all educated the same. The church gathers because we have made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as our Saviour and Lord. We have received the Spirit of God. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit for salvation. 
We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit to belong to God's kingdom. And that's what we have in common. That's why we are here. That's what unites us. And that unity is much, much stronger, or it should be, than the unity at the cricket club or at the MCG at a final. And it should be much greater than the unity of family. But as sinful human beings, we fail each other. We were just talking during the week and I was meeting with um, some of our new people that have come here for a few weeks and we are talking about there's no perfect church, is there? We are united by the Spirit but we fail one another. At times we place ego before unity. We place our opinions before peace. What we have in common should be the greatest bond that is known to humanity. And we should make every effort to maintain the unity. The second point I want to make of our experience of Emmanuel, God with us, is that we are to be transformed. God never intends for us to be unchanged and unaffected by our salvation. It's not meant to be that we're saved into heaven and life for eternity with Christ but I'll go on living the way I want to live. That's not biblical. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The the Holy Spirit changes us as we behold the glory of Christ. As we grasp and understand more about who God is and surrender our minds and our hearts to the, the will of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to change us, to be more and more like Jesus. I really do like my sport. Um, I'm a member of the Melbourne Storm, love the rugby, go with my brother-in-law, we sit in the same seats. I've got a friend who has been a a, a member and and a Storm supporter since the very beginning in 98. He loves them, he invested in them, he, he met the players, he was a member, he paid up, he bought all the merchandise, he went to Sydney, he went interstate, all the games. But when the scandal broke in 2011 of the, 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 the uh, salary cap, that did it for him. He couldn't forgive. He said, no, nah, I'm done. He will not even talk about it with me anymore. 
He will never go to a game. He will never buy anything to do with the storm. He doesn't even like to talk about it with me. I push him and probably, come on, come on, come back, come to a game. No. He's given up completely. He's wiped them off his radar. Completely changed. If we ignore this book, if, if, we, if we waver in our commitment to, to prayer and to meditation and, and studying the Bible and spending time with God, if that is not a priority, we actually push us away from allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. God has put in place a plan for each and every one of us and that is to be transformed into his likeness. It says it very clearly. But if we push away time with God, if we don't come to his word and come in prayer by faith, seeking the Holy Spirit to change us, then we will not ever transform into the likeness. This is, this is the plan that God has for our lives, that we would be transformed. If we are to be a, a healthy church, we first must be healthy believers. If we are not being transformed, then what are people seeing in our families and in our workplaces and in our schools and in our sporting clubs? What are people seeing? Submitting our minds and our lives constantly to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. Constantly. Is to be transformed. The last two points I want to touch on is enlightened. Paul tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 12, we have not received, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. While it is necessary, as the things I've just said, to be committed to God's Word and to, and to prayer and to meditating on, on who God is, nothing can replace the need for the Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds. in becoming more aware of God's character and his purpose for our life. I'm yet in my life being raised up in a church to hear a sermon or see a PowerPoint presentation that has been so amazing it's transformed my life. 
got nothing to do with the vocabulary of the speaker, the amount of information researched. Those things are necessary and important, but by themselves are useless when we are teaching and learning from God's word. A few verses in Roman in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. There is no correlation between a person's IQ and their faith in God. There's no correlation between a person's IQ and and trusting God each and every day for wisdom and direction and purpose and strength and peace. Absolutely not. We are enlightened to the truth of God's word, not by our own wisdom, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must come to God's word with a prayerful heart, seeking the the spirit to reveal God's truth to us. Lastly, in our experience of Emmanuel, God with us, we are empowered. We are empowered. Jesus' words in Acts 1 to his disciples were that the Holy Spirit would bring power when he comes upon them. And that power is not in the, only in the miracle of, of Emmanuel, God with us, through the Holy Spirit as a, a stamp of, of, of salvation. but God with us in an ongoing power to live a new life with a new purpose. It's powerful to live with peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's powerful to to be able to forgive an enemy. It's powerful when we're convicted of God's leading in our lives and his power at work in our lives to have the courage and the boldness to to tell people about the truth. What makes for a powerful Sunday? Do you feel like we're empowered here on a Sunday at church? I, I think we... We'd like to think, you know, if there's a gifted and faithful sermon and great musicians who are leading us, that that makes for a powerful Sunday, but it's not just that. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not just to elders, not just to three or four people, but to each, each of us, empowered for the common good. 
Well, what do we have in common? We have in common the Holy Spirit. God with us. And each believer has the potential to be the means through which God will empower and use you in his church. Each and every one of us have the potential for God, those with the Holy Spirit have the potential for God to use you in a powerful way, to be kind, to be forgiving, to be merciful, compassionate, empathetic. As we eagerly desire the spiritual gifts for the glory of God and for the building up of his church, we are asking the Holy Spirit to do something in our life that we could not otherwise do ourselves. I think the gift of hospitality is powerful. Deepens relationships, cares, shows compassion for people. The the, the gift of encouragement is so powerful. The Holy Spirit convicts people to go over to someone and share with them about something you see positive in their life. Being able to just listen to someone, sometimes not talking so much and just listen to what someone is going through. That's powerful. To stop with someone in the foyer because they've just shared a burden with you and to just stop and pray for that person for a moment is powerful. To each of us. We are empowered by the Spirit for the common good of the church. Maybe today you don't feel like you could pray with someone here or give a word of encouragement because it's hard or show a gift of hospitality and you're sort of scratching your head, well, how will God's power be seen in my life? How will I experience Emmanuel, God, with me and feel empowered? And I say to you, at least what God is wanting to do in your life is to transform you, is to change you. And if you would surrender your life constantly to him, he will change the way you think about others, the way you treat other people, the way you love and care for others. He will do that. And that transformation in your life is powerful. What people see in your life is powerful. That is Emmanuel, God with us. Sam, can I leave it to you to close and um, end our service in prayer and thanks. Thanks.